things get a little bit grim. But this is especially heinous. Did you tell the police that she was murdered, May? Nope. Witchy ghost stuff. Ah! Don't make me scared. A spooky girl amateur hour. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Taylor. How's it going on your side of the room? It's going good over here in my big gray lump snug. <laughs> Which is the only way that it shall be known from now on out. <laughs> the great gray lump snug. <laughs> Jeez. Doing good. Um, I'm drinking a DIY for loco. Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> well, you offered me a truly, but I had half of a bang energy drink. So I just mixed them together. That is an excellent choice. You think so? I... I'm going to go with it because it's already happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think I can stop it at this point. I'm having an energy drink so late in the afternoon because I'm trying to counteract the copious amounts of Benadryl that I have taken today. <laughs> it's allergy season. <laughs> there be trees everywhere. Trees. <laughs> just a tree all over the place. A tree and mess. A, it's a tree and mess. I, I need some triage (laughs) i thought about triage i couldn't figure it out where i was gonna put it so i'm glad that our brain soup you picked it out yeah i'm here i'm here for this the brain soup floaties again yeah i love it so bear with us for the next like two weeks and then the pollen will be gone and um hopefully our voices will be back to normal but we're a little scratchy today we're a little sniffly a little scratchy and sniffly i'm going to make like a conscious effort to not sniff in everybody's ears I and I will do my dang old best at editing out any sniffs that happen, but I'm still an amateur podcast editor, as it turns out, <laughs> and I do not have magical skills. So, well, and you know what? When like poised with the choice of sniff or snot, yeah, I will sniff absolutely. <laughs> every, yeah. I'm gonna sniff every time. Same <laughs> facts. Oh my gosh, what's new with you? Anything exciting happening? Uh, I just got back from Cleveland. Ooh, exotic Cleveland, Ohio. So cute. Uh, It was actually really fun. We went, uh, that's where my corporate office is located, and I got to see the brand new million dollar corporate office. Oh, we love corporate America. (laughs) Do we? I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, Oh my God, he threw out the company name? I'll bleep it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's bold. I know. It's a bold claim. Um, But we have... The corporate office is... I think it's amazing. It is exactly what I thought I was going to walk into, like, on day one of working for this company. Yeah. uh, To find out that it was basically a basement. Yes. And I was like, hmm interesting choice new company yeah so now we're actually in the the office space that uh feels right and we have core values and our company takes the core values super seriously oh my god so seriously homie we have a a wall dedicated to each core value i swear to god hold on i'm gonna cough resume (laughs) Do you want some tea? Would tea help? I'm trying to dr- get you set with all your drinks. I'm good. I have so many beverages available to me right now. I will happily make you a cup of tea. That's let me let's reevaluate in the. In, all right, you uh, just like give me like a gang sign. Oh, and I <laughs> will. <tea? laughs> I will make you a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't even know 
Okay. <laughs> Tell me about your core value walls. Okay. Um. So one of our core values is instill family and team spirit. And <laughs> there is a wall with a bunch of like cartoon people on it. But we have a hidden, we have, there's like six hidden pictures in this wall what oh yeah it's wild uh one of them is be nice and have fun and it's like a bubble wall and some of the bubbles are drawn on but some of them are real <laughs> like what? glass bubbles that are on the walls it's wild <sighs> everything is like open concept uh we have a bar of course in the middle yeah of course our um corporate office had a bar oh my gosh i now i know now I know what happens after 4 p.m. Listen, I can tell you if people let me drink at my job, I'd be a lot kinder. Yeah, that's true. Facts. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, there are like telephone booths because it's all open concept. So we don't really have offices anymore. Like our CEO has an office, I think. Mm-hmm. But I'm serious. Nobody has an office. We are all in this like, hive mind kind of a weird oh my god setting this is the most redwood thing i have heard trying to be google that's what we're going oh for god. we have a common uh oh what do they call it a think think a dump th- dump a brain think um a dump think tank work dump brain i don't know <clears throat> i don't know the words you're trying to st- string together to I make t- a real thing it's not. The brain soup continues, but I'm not picking up on what you're laying down. The cauldron is bubbling, but there's no soup. <laughs> Facts. Um, but there's these, they're hilarious. I, I love them. They are, it looks like space age phone booths. So the doors are completely glass, but mm-hmm. they're tiny little cubicle spaces oh that you God. can go into. They're only big enough for one person. And you can like plug your laptop in there and have these private conversations if you need to have any. And that's pretty much the only space that you can go to to have a private conversation. I would post the fuck up. Oh, absolutely. In one of those. It's hysterical. I I wish I would have taken pictures, but by the time we got done yesterday, I was trying to get home and I did not take any pictures. But just believe me on this one. It's uh, a wild time. Wow. Corporate America is... So wild. Those were certainly interior design decisions made with cash flow. And I love that for your company. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's new in my world. What's new in your world? Um, not a whole my wedding dress got delivered. I just tried that on before I came here. Yeah, it's so pretty, you it guys. It's so, I feel like I can't wait to show you guys, but I, I don't know if you guys would ever see it. I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you will eventually. I feel like we're going to post wedding pictures. You think? I mean, unless you don't want me to. Well, it depends if I look pretty or not, Taylor. Uh, you look pretty in a dump sack, Jennifer. <gasps> That's a lie! <laughs> <laughs> don't talk like that about my best friend. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry, sorry. So yes, you'll see it eventually. Um, I got the... the clear to close on my house so that is actually a thing that's happening yeah it what by the time this okay not this episode what are we recording (laughs) oh i mean now it's a true crime episode or it's a disaster because we have bullshit for eight minutes (laughs) (laughs) well i guess let's just go ahead and do a disaster we're doing disasters today Every single disaster episode, we start off by saying this episode. 
That's stupid. We're dumb. It's so stupid. Anyway. Okay. So glad we got that cleared up. What was my question to you? What? What? What are we recording? There was some, there was another thought. Oh, when, so a week from tomorrow is when I, so in real time. Yeah. When you listen to the paranormal episode. I will have signed my closing paperwork. Yep, that's exactly where I was going. I got with you. That conversation I picked it right. I fished it, it out of your like brain. You're going to be the one like getting the alphabet soup together. Yes, putting from it my brain today in, into sentences for you. I'm so glad that we're doing this together. Me too. I'm going to try to keep up with your brain soup. So I'm going to drink a little more of my DIY for. Lo- I'm going to call it like a like a too wild. Is that what like white girls would call for loco? Yeah. Trying to pretend like I wasn't a white girl in college chugging four locos like it was the only thing keeping me alive. Let me tell you that this would have been prime straight lace Taylor and I have never had a four loco and then they took them off the shelves before I could have one. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm... I, I kept that from you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're fessing up finally <laughs> after 12 years of friendship. <laughs> so brave thank you this has just got to speak my truth okay it's okay taylor i mean i would say probably in the last three like you're a wild child now (laughs) but like you are the loosey goosiest i've seen you in our entire life yeah i can attest to that Mm -hmm. i also don't have parents to tell me what to do anymore so or parents to tell what to do yeah that's true i mean laura and kevin they'll like look at me with disappointment but i feel like they laugh at my antics now that i'm 30 Can you still have antics when you're 30? I feel like we're supposed to age out. Probably. I feel like when you're 30, your antics turn into kerfuffles. (laughs) Antics light version. Antics light. (laughs) Yeah. Diet antics for the carb conscious. Oh, my God. Uh, We have sugar-free antics now. Oh, my God. Caffeine free. Caffeine free. That that's the one. It's, Caffeine free because they're not spicy and fun it's anymore. Keto. Keto antics. Keto antics. We're we're ridiculous. We we gotta stop. We gotta jump right in. Listen, yeah. everybody is anxiously awaiting oh to my hear gosh. Disaster part du part du part I du. Owe you an apology. For why? For the absolute bullshit i'm about to tell you oh and also how long it is i i know that i say it's long every time but this truly is very pretty quite long so i hope everybody has a nice long drive ahead of you uh this would be a good road trip episode this would be a fantastic road trip episode so i'm just gonna go ahead and dive right in uh, i do have a small recap from last week um we are <laughs> so what you missed on last- can you play like the dreamy harps <laughs> last week on a, a little, little bit, bit grim or, uh, yeah so the mount carmel compound we're doing uh the branch davidians from waco the mount carmel compound is just outside of waco texas and it is the home of the religious group called the branch davidians seventh day adventists they are led by a charismatic leader who goes by david Koresh. Koresh and his followers are under investigation from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or the ATF, for housing illegal weapons and creating homemade automatic rifles from semi-automatic rifles. Damn, that's crafty. Yeah. They Uh, they don't show you how to do that on Pinterest. Sure don't. Wonder why. (laughs) Koresh has also been accused of illegal polyamorous marriages with underage girls. Hate it. Don't love that at all. 
Uh, the Branch Davidians believed with every fiber of their being that the end of times would soon be upon them. Crush's teachings included passionate discourse that they should all be prepared to be warriors for God and that they will be tested through fire. Yeah. The why is it always fire? Why is it always fire? Why can't, why can't we be tested through something, like, more manageable? A heavy rainstorm. <laughs> A monsoon, even. Just not fire. Listen, I don't know, but he was very specific about fire, and that will come into play again later. The official investigation into David Crush started in the June of 1992 when a postal worker informed law enforcement that he had been delivering explosives, ammo, and guns to the Branch Davidians. On February 27, 1993, the Waco Tribune Herald began publishing a series called The Sinful Messiah, which reported that Koresh had been physically abusing children in the compound and had committed statutory rape by taking multiple teenage brides. The ATF began surveillance of the compound by placing agents at the house across the street. The disguise was fairly bad, but the Branch Davidians welcomed the men and offered food and Bible study. Robert Rodriguez was one of those agents who managed to get Koresh's trust. He gave valuable information back to the ATF about the interior of the compound. Uh, February 25th comes around, which is two days before the Sinful Messiah series starts airing or getting printed. Mm -hmm. The ATF obtained a warrant to search for illegal weapons and a warrant to arrest David Koresh and some of his followers on weapons charges. They were also concerned that they may have a building, they may have been building a meth lab, but they were less concerned about that than they were about the firearms. I'd be more concerned about meth heads having firearms. Big concerns. (laughs) Not a good recipe. (laughs) Definitely need some garlic. Is that a cooking meth joke? (laughs) (laughs) One thing that a lot of sources leave out is that the Branch Davidians had a legal gun store called the mag bag i will repeat they had a legal gun store which had permits all that good stuff okay paul fatta a branch davidian was a federal firearms licensed dealer and the group often took part in gun shows around texas all on the up and up i just imagine that that's like gun shows in texas i I imagine are like garage sales in indiana just all over the place every weekend you know the scene in Miss Congeniality when she is doing the uh, glasses in front of the crowd in Texas and yeah. it's all just white Stetsons? Yeah. That's what I think of as a gun show <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> white Stetsons and everybody has a gun. I love that. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. On February 28th, 1993, the ATF attempted to execute their search warrant. The media found out that there was going to be a raid, and a local news source sent their crews out to film. My God. One journalist and one cameraman went one way to the compound, and one other cameraman went around the back way. Ooh. The cameraman that went the back way got a little bit lost. Got a little turned around. He (laughs) happened upon a kind-hearted postal worker who was delivering mail and he stopped the postal worker and asked where he should go to get to mount carmel the postal worker was like it's that away why and he was like there's about to be a raid shut up the postal worker was david koresh's 
brother-in-law. Oh my god. And he immediately called David Koresh and told him that there was going to be a raid. Oh, for sure. That they were on their way. Snitch. So the way that they found out that there was going to be a raid was that one of the photographers was dating an EMT, and the EMT had been tipped off to tell the hospital to be on, like, high alert for mass casualties. So the- For mass casualties? Yes. Were they not intending to take it peacefully? No. By force? Yes. Okay. Right. So the EMT told her photographer, boyfriend, husband, fiance, that there was going to be a raid. <laughs> photographer, any new, any journalist worth his salt is immediately going to be like, we need to be the first on the scene. Oh, for sure. So when the post office worker told David Crash, they only had about 45 minutes to prepare for the raid to happen. Originally, the ATF had planned to surround the compound and call for Crash to come out and surrender. However, the ATF had interviewed a few former members, and they told the ATF that the likelihood of Crush coming out willingly was slim to none. That ain't gonna happen, bud. Nope. Because he had been teaching all of his life that the end times is gonna come through fire. And so he thought that this was This was gonna be it. Yeah. Okay. Bill Buford was the ATF agent that suggested they try to do more of a direct result, which is a quote from him um, in an interview. He thought that if they could surprise the group, they could pull it off without any shots fired. Okay. They realized that it would be very difficult to surprise the group if 80 to 90 agents roll up in all their regalia. So they decided to transport everyone using cattle trucks and pickup trucks. What kind of fucking Trojan horse is that? Exactly. (laughs) That's somewhere in my notes. Um, When the mail carrier came back to talk to Koresh, Robert Rodriguez was actually in the compound talking to Koresh. Oh, my God. And David looked at Rodriguez and immediately was like, I know who you are. The gig is up. My dude. I hope you said those words exactly. Same. Uh, Rodriguez left the compound and called the ATF to let them know they had lost the element of surprise and to call off the raid, but they decided it was too late and they moved on with the raid anyway. Crush saw the trucks and trailers pull into the property and he walked out the front door to greet them. I'm sure it was not a kind welcome in buddies, but he went outside. With a tray of lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) Offering them ice cream like he offered the prosecutors. Once they all popped out of the trailers like a friggin' Trojan horse, Koresh went back inside the building when they saw, like, literally just, like, an army of men, like, storming the building. And there is a lot of controversy about who fired the first shot, but at any rate, gunfire ensued. Law enforcement says that during the standoff, the divisions were launching hand grenades out the windows and several men went down with grenade injuries. A few agents went around the side of the compound with ladders to gain entry to the second story. The aim was to secure the arms room. Agent Conway LeBleu was the first um, on the roof when they were spotted and the gunfire broke out. LeBleu was shot unkilled almost immediately. Another agent named Glenn Jordan was on the roof and he was breaking a window to gain entry when he was shot. At about 9.45 a.m., Wayne Martin, a Branch Davidian, called 911 and said, There are about 75 men surrounding our building and they're shooting. Tell them there are women and children in here. Call it off. Call it off. Ooh. 
Bill Buford, the ATF agent, um, had been shot and another agent named Robert Williams had tried to get Buford out of the line of fire. They were still shooting at them and Williams stood up to return fire and he was shot and killed immediately. Wow. In the interview, Bill Buford said, this is my deal. I helped plan this. Oh my God, what have I done? At about 10.45 a.m., David Koresh calls 911 and starts speaking with a man named Lieutenant Larry Lynch. Koresh starts spouting off about the Seven Seals immediately. Oh, Jesus. Lynch says, can I interrupt you for a minute? And Koresh says, sure. And Lynch says, we can talk about theology, but right now, dot, dot, dot. And then Koresh said, this is life. This is the theology is life and death. And Lynch said that he didn't have any faith in Koresh wanting to come to a ceasefire. And he decided he needed to talk to someone who was more interested in ending the war. After two hours of negotiations with Wayne, Koresh and the ATF agents, Lieutenant Larry Lynch was able to get a ceasefire. The agreement was that four agents were going to come into the compound and retrieve the agents who had fallen. Over a loudspeaker, someone announced, you have four minutes to gather your injured and your dead and then get out of here. Ooh. The journalist on the ground offered up his news van to help transport wounded people. At the end of this day, four ATF agents were dead and 24 were injured. Jesus. Yeah. One of the most famous clips from this day is law enforcement retreating with a wounded man on the top of a, on the hood of a car, and that is Bill Buford. Wow. Six Branch Davidians had died and many were wounded, including Koresh himself. He was shot in the abdomen. Wow. The ATF had called in the FBI, and by the time they arrived on site, everything was quiet and the Branch Davidians had barricaded themselves into the compound. The Davidians truly believed that they would come back and kill them all that evening to get revenge for killing or wounding so many agents. During a newscast that evening, Koresh spoke on the phone to a news anchor who asked, what will it take for this to come to a peaceful resolution? And Koresh said, if they'll show me and show the world what the seven seals are and where they're at in the prophecies, then I'll be satisfied and we will all come out to you. Oh my god. Five hours after the ceasefire, Michael Schroeder, a Branch Davidian who had been away on business, came home and attempted to re-enter the compound. At 4.55 p.m., he was spotted by snipers about one one mile off the compound. Reports say that the ATF told him to surrender, but instead he opened fire. He was shot six times by the ATF, two times at close range through the head. Ugh. My thought is he was already dead at that point and they just walked up to his body and shot him twice in the head to make sure he was dead oh his body was left there for three days oh my god yeah the next day phone negotiations continued for hours 10 children were released from the compound and news sources state that the children appeared to be well taken care of fed and educated an FBI negotiator was called in, and he was told, it's bad. You need to get to Waco as soon as you can. He jumped into the shower and asked his wife to pack him an overnight bag. He told her he thought this was a bad one, and she'd probably pack for three days' worth of clothes for him. Little did anyone know that this negotiation would last for 51 more days. You're going to need more undies. Going to need more sex. <laughs> on March 2nd, Koresh said that he would surrender if a recording of his message was broadcast nationally. The FBI reached out to the Christian Broadcasting Network, who agreed to play his message. At 1.30 p.m., Crush's 57-minute recorded message was aired on the Christian Broadcasting Network. Hours later, Crush's lieutenant, Steve Schneider, tells negotiators that God has told Koresh to wait. Oh, and my gosh. Furious, the FBI's tactical and on-scene commanders move tanks forward. 
Tanks? Tanks. That's a little heavy. One thing I forgot to mention um, <clears throat> about the initial raid was that they had originally planned on three helicopters coming in and flying around the compound as a distraction for when they moved the cattle trucks in. Oh. But the... Because they got, like, the lack of surprise, yeah. they moved the cattle trucks in early and the helicopters were then late. Got it. And so then it just appeared that this was an all-out war. war. Over the next week, 21 children were removed from the compound along with some adults. There are more children in the compound, however, Crush says that those are his biological children and they will not be leaving the compound. So how many, at this point, how many people total are in the compound? I believe about 100. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not a small amount. On March 7th, without consulting negotiators, the FBI cut the electricity to the compound. One negotiator had a conversation with Crash that, and said that because he was cooperating and that they were having a positive di- dialogue, so the light would not be cut. Then, a half an hour later, they cut them off and the compound would not have electricity for the remainder of the siege. How many days in? They're about a week in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like six more weeks. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh my lord. In addition to that, they shut off the water. Ew. Yeah. One of the most controversial things about this siege is that the negotiators and the like military side of the FBI and ATF were not getting along. They could not come to an agreement. On how to best handle the situation. Right. And sure. the military side are impatient and impulsive. And so they keep doing things. To that- hurry the process along. They want to end the... Yeah. Situation where it's like the negotiators are trying to preserve life. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that the negotiators say normally. The military will abide by. Right. No. Oh, no. <laughs> normally they're like, I mean, you can tell them whatever you want, but here's what we're going to do. Such dicks. Absolutely awful. I would say like dicks for no reason, but like not that like the Branch Davidians are like a stand up group of people, but the kids and the. you know what i mean there in my opinion there are a lot of people who truly believed that the group was a not harmful or violent religious group yeah they wanted to live by themselves they wanted to just do their own thing have they made any threats no so they were just having guns yes Were they legally obtained? The guns were legally obtained, but they were making them into semi-automatic out of automatic. Okay. Or wait, other way around. Making semi-automatic into fully automatic. So And polygamy and child abuse. Yeah. Which I understand. Yeah. Why authorities needed to be called in for that. But for, well, but then they shot, I don't know. This is tricky. It's this it's, is convoluted. Okay, we're only a week in. Yeah. Okay, so keep going. Okay. Uh, after a week later, seven more adults come out of the compound, and instead of rewarding them for surrendering, the FBI decides to send tanks in and bulldoze their cars. What? Yep. Yep. Some Yahoo in the ATF with a tank decided, what? we're just going to go run over all of your cars. Just for fun? Funsies. Is this like a show of bravado? 
I I have no idea. Oh my gosh. Why they decided to do this. We need women in leadership. <laughs> Seriously. A chief negotiator warned the FBI uh, that they are answering positive actions with aggressive and negative reactions. So they cannot continue to expect the Branch Davidians to be cooperative when every time they do, it They go and backfires. do something stupid. Yeah. And another thing that I will give in the Branch Davidian column is that women and children are allowed to leave whenever they want. Or anybody is allowed to leave whenever they want. Yeah. They come out willingly if they want to leave. No one is holding them there. Got it. The reason so many people don't leave is because they're afraid that they're going to be shot at. By the FBI, because they're a loose cannon. Absolutely. Every time that they walk out, there is a legitimate fear of being shot at. Yeah, or ran over by a tank. Right, I don't blame them for that. Yeah, I don't blame them either. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. Exactly. Around the 22nd of March, the FBI and negotiators start coming up with a plan that involves inducing tear gas into the building. Ooh. In addition to not having an electricity and water, the FBI starts psychological warfare on the compound by shining spotlights at night into the windows and playing uh, music and sounds from loudspeakers. The sounds include sirens, sounds of chickens dying, and sci-fi sound effects. What? Yeah. For why? They didn't want them to sleep. I would be willing to say that the sound of dying chickens would also probably disturb my beauty rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, sci-fi noises like... (laughs) The only thing I could think of was like, it's like the sound of like in a sci-fi movie when an alien UFO lands. Yes. <laughs> like, I can't I can't describe the sound. <laughs> you remember Mars attacks? And the are like <laughs> yeah. that. I picture that. that. <laughs> yeah, just I mean wild crazy sounds. Um they played Christmas carols. Oh my god, my dream. <laughs> it was really I my heart was just sad because they do have um like camcorders inside the compound. Okay. Um so David and then his wife, Rachel, are making, like, home videos and stuff. And um, they are also talking to some of the other people who are still in there. And, you know, I know that the way they frame questions is kind of leading, but they just say, you know, how has your sleep been lately? And one of the girls, who's probably pretty young, I'd say she's probably in her late teens, is like, I just don't appreciate the music. And they're like, you know, I thought you were a teenager. You'd like to, like hang out and dance and you'd love loud music and she's like i just want to sleep oh it's so sad (sighs) late on april 17th so we're moving ahead quite a bit here um or early on the 18th an operative was inside the compound placing a bug and he said that he was within about six feet of david crash this operative radioed in for permission to grab him and the answer come back as no they already knew how they wanted things to go down. So they could have stopped it? Absolutely. How did he get in the building six feet away from him and they didn't know? Listen, I'll show you a picture of this building. It is fucking huge. Okay. It is. It looks like <laughs> the the school I came from was K through 12. Yeah. So we had a lot of people in one building, but that would probably be the size. Like Adam Central would probably be the size of this compound. Really? Yeah. Like, wow. Very easy for somebody to get in unnoticed. Sneak around. Imagine, okay. Yeah. And they probably have dark, everybody. Like they don't have any electricity. Oh, sure. Yeah. And they have everybody in the Ford chapel at this point. Got it. Um, <clears throat> the siege is exactly what David has been preaching would happen. 
chariots of fire were the tanks, and they were a million percent convinced that this was the end of days. Several microphones were planted in Mount Carmel, and one picked up this message. They can't destroy us unless it's God's will to do so. Haven't you read Joel 2 and Isaiah 13, where it says he's going to take us up like flames of fire? During an interview with the negotiator, Steve Schroeder, David's right-hand man, says, Oh, when you have the chance, read Isaiah 33 about people living in fire and walking through it and coming out surviving. It also says, who can dwell in everlasting burning? That is the question. Ooh, lots of fire. The newly appointed U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno approved recommendations by the FBI hostage rescue team to mount an assault. After being told that conditions were deteriorating and that children were being abused inside the compound, which they do not have any additional proof of. Oh, just that they said it was going on? Yes. Okay. Reno made the FBI's case to President Clinton. Clinton suggested similar tactics that were used in another cult standoff against the Branch Davidians. So there was another cult standoff that happened like the year before or something, and he was like, use those tactics that went down with that standoff in this standoff. Was it the Branch Davidians the first time? No. Who was it? Uh, it was a small, a like, little. faction. I don't, okay. it was like maybe six people. It wasn't a, it wasn't oh, a big, okay. um, big group like the Branch Davidians. <clears throat> Reno counted, countered that the FBI hostage rescue team was tired of waiting, that the standoff was costing million, a million dollars per week, that the Branch Davidians could hold out longer than the other group situation that was happening. Um, and that the chances of sexual abuse to children and mass suicide were imminent. Clinton later recounted, finally, I told her that if she thought it was the right thing to do, she could go ahead. Wow. On April 19th, a voice comes over the loudspeaker from law enforcement saying, attention individuals inside Branch Davidian compound. We are in the process of placing tear gas into the building. This is not an assault. This is not an assault. We are not going to be entering the building. What do you, then what is it? I'm sorry. By definition, tear gas is an assault. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not an assault. Yeah, you can hear it. It's on the news. Like, there was a news, like, film crew there the entire time. All of this has been filmed. That's like handing me a corn cob and being like, here, this isn't corn. Like, right. that's exactly what it is. Absolutely, 100%. The way that they had to put the tear gas in the building or the way that they chose to do this... I will get into in a minute, but it is horrific. Okay. <laughs> During a testimony later, Floyd Clark, former FBI director, said that the FBI was careful and deliberate in their actions and that they did not do anything that would be provocative that would cause a reaction from the Branch Davidians. And I, Taylor White, hereby declare that bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I'm mad about it. Tear gas was inserted using Mark V delivery system, which was secured to a boom on a tank. What? So, like, the arm guy that's, like, on the front of a tank? Yeah. They secured the tear gas to that and then rammed the tanks into the buildings. What? Yeah. So, like, this boom arm thing just destroys the sides of the building. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. And you're literally, as that is happening, a loudspeaker saying, not an this assault. is not an assault. Bitch, what? Then what is it? This, this is not a hello neighbor. No. Yeah. They used CS gas, which is more potent than regular tear gas. It will induce nausea, vomiting, and disorientation. Yeah. Former FBI Deputy Director Larry Potts said the rule was if there was danger to the children within the compound, back off. But we knew there were children in there to begin with. Right. So why are we doing this anyway? Exactly. 
On the ground of the compound, there was um, an underground buried school boat, school bus, which was repurposed to lead to an underground storm shelter within the building. And this was uh, one of the first areas that tear gas was used. Oh. Um, that's important for later. Okay. Once the tear gas begins, the women take the children to an enclosed concrete vault that the FBI called the bunker. The bunker was gassed for two hours. <gasps> and... S- that is where the the bus was. Oh. And so women and children locked themselves into this shelter thinking they would be safe from the tear gas. And then they got tear gas for two hours. Two hours straight. Oh my god. Right. Oh my gosh. The Branch Davidians responded with gunfire and the FBI was certain to relay the fact that the agents on the ground did not return fire. Well, it doesn't matter. You knocked down their walls and tear gassed all their babies. Right. The plan was to continue inserting gas into the compound for 48 hours before escalating even further. What? However, by 10 a.m. the first day, probably about three to four hours after they began, they ran out of tear gas. What? They used all of the tear gas that was supposed to be used in a 48-hour period within four hours. Who was running this show? Garbage. Fire the writers. (laughs) It's that season five slump. I know. (laughs) Uh They were flying in more tear gas from Houston. There was a provision in the plan that said if the Branch Davidians fired upon the tanks, they could escalate the plan before the 48 hour mark was up. Many of the Branch Davidian men were contemplating getting out of the building, but they believed they would be shot if they walked outside. They probably would have been. Absolutely. At some point, smoke starts to roll into the building. Clive Doyle, a survivor, says that, he, that this was the first indication of fire. Mm. The fire spread quickly, and due to the CS gas, was incredibly hot. Ooh. There was, is a lot of speculation about the fire, if it was set intentionally or if it was a result of the attack on the building. But nonetheless, when it started, the FBI hoped that the women would grab the children and come out, but they did not. They couldn't. They were locked in the bunker? They were locked in the bunker. 54 adults, including David Crash, and 27 children died in the fire that day. Oh my god. Yeah. Ooh, in a sick, weird fucking way, he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Later, they would find that David Crush died from a gunshot wound to the head, as did his right-hand man, Steve Schroeder. Oh, wow. He really couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't survive the trial by fire. No. So, uh, they believe that Steve killed David Crush. out of some pact and then killed himself. All surviving Branch Davidians were taken into custody. All injured people were treated at the FBI command post. The events at Mount Carmel spurred both criminal prosecution and civil litigation. When asked about the responsibility of the deaths on April 19th, Jeff Jamar, FBI special agent in charge at Waco, said, It's not because of our actions. Those children are dead because David Koresh had them killed. There's no question about that. He had those fires started. He had 51 days to release those children. He chose for those children to die. Excuse me. Excuse me. That is not the fucking case, sir. No. Gonna need him to take an actual seat, hopefully on a bed of nails. Um, (laughs) 
Imagine being so wrong yet so confident. Uh-huh. Imagine. Never mind. Trash. Yeah. However, former ATF fire expert Rick Sharos asked some very telling questions during the trial, such as, why did piece of e- pieces of evidence go missing? Why was the crime scene destroyed before it could be evaluated? <gasps> During the arson investigation, they found that po- the points of origin came from within the p- compound. There are also sound bites from the bugs that indicate use of flammable liquid. So while personally I am in the camp that I believe the tear gas sparked the fire, yeah, there is <clears throat> evidence to say that that could have been started from within the building like on purpose okay as well, like a mass suicide listen i gotta be honest at this point in the story i'm not really willing to listen to <laughs> i just feel like it's not opposing s- evidence yeah i just no i just feel like it's not very credible like what government agency is conducting the arson investigation you're telling me mm-hmm. that the fbi and the hoobiewatties and whoever like aren't involved right in this right and there is a lot of evidence to show that um it was definitely tampered with like evidence is missing or it was replaced or yada 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 but there are people who are still investigating or who who investigated later who are a part of the fbi who are a part of the atf that they will straight up be like this was fucked up (gasps) i love that we got it so wrong this is absolutely this should not have happened this is our fault like people are saying that from that side good it's just not the majority, and it's not anybody who was on site that day. Not anybody in a position of power, I'm exactly. sure. <sighs> the FBI stated that the tear gas used was non-pyrotechnic. However, shell casings were found in the aftermath that proved otherwise. The FBI states that during the entire day, they did not fire upon the compound. However, there is footage of a helicopter firing into the building at 9.03 a.m. The footage was evaluated by an expert who believes the shots came from a she- machine gun. <gasps> Oh, my God. Infrared cameras also capture two agents firing into the rear of the building with machine guns. And the FBI s- said that these flashes of light were reflections of the sun off of something shiny. Let me tell you that I watched a three-hour documentary about how that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a guy that he, his whole job is to evaluate infrared um, footage. Yeah. And... The if that truly was a reflection of the sun off something shiny, the uh plane that got that footage would have had to have been traveling two times the speed of sound. Oh, and the sun would have had to have been like beating down like super super hard, like an unnatural amount, and okay. the item that would have been had to have been in the ground to be reflection would have had to have been laid out in a perfectly like geometrical flat flats way which is not found naturally ah it has been completely discredited that this could have ever been something to be reflected on something shiny this was machine gun fire wow okay yeah um the fbi and atf testified that they don't understand that they did not understand the religion and didn't know to what levels david crush would go to ensure his prophecy came true but the microphones implanted at mount, Car- mount carmel by the FBI and ATF, should have given them all the information that they needed. Much to their much of their defense relied on the fact that they didn't have a full understanding. It was quickly disproven, and many people were like, you should not have gone to be in this situation if you did not fully understand the situation you were going into. Yes. 
1998, unprecedented access uh, to Waco evidence lockers was granted. The pyrotechnic projectiles were found in the evidence boxes to, again, say, like, these were flammable. Wow. The tear gas canisters were flammable. Yeah. No arson charges were ever brought to any of the Branch Davidians, so they could not prove that they started, that the, they fire. started the fire. They didn't start the fire. One of the biggest questions people ask is, but why didn't they come out during the fire? Well, the infrared camera shows that there was at least one operative firing into the building at the back exit, which would have been the only exit not damaged by tanks or fire. Wow. You're not going to go that way. No. It's the only way out. At least 15 people were, sh- were found shot to death at this location. The FBI maintains that these were self-inflicted gun wounds. That's bullshit. Absolutely. Why did they do such a terrible job? Heinous. And why? Like, I have goosebumps. I'm getting so irritated. <laughs> like, I'm mad all over again. I got so mad while I was doing this research, and I'm mad again. <laughs> uh. All right. <laughs> uh, the women and children were enclosed in an enclosed bunker when they were being tear gassed, and they would have been disoriented and very sick. As far as the crime scene goes, the FBI immediately labeled it as a mass suicide, so no ballistic evidence was taken or analyzed. It was also labeled a biohazard, so they instructed the cleanup crew to sift through everything and bleach anything that was possibly contaminated. No. You're instructing them to destroy evidence. Yeah. You ain't slick. No. No. There are photos of people sifting through and with just gallons of Clorox bleach sitting around jesus on august 3rd uh 1993 a federal grand jury returned a superseding 10 count indictment against 12 of the surviving branch davidians the grand jury charged among other things that the branch davidians had conspired to and aided and abetted in the number of federal offenses and had unlawfully possessed and used various firearms the government dismissed the charges against one of the 12 according to a plea bargain after a tri- jury trial lasting nearly two months, a, ju- a jury acquitted four of the Branch Davidians of all charges. Additionally, the jury acquitted all of the Branch Davidians on the murder-related charges because they tried to try them with murder. What? Yes. What? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But convicted five of them on lesser charges, including aiding and abetting the voluntary manslaughter of federal agents. Oh, my God. Eat my ass. Eight Branch Davidians were convicted of firearms charges. All Branch Davidians have been released from prison as of July of 2007. The Branch Davidian survivor, David Thibodeau, wrote his account of life in the group and the siege in the book called A Place Called Waco, published in 1999. His book served as part of the basis for the 2018 Paramount Network six-part television drama miniseries Waco, starring Michael Shannon and Tyler Kitsch as David Koresh. I heard that that was problematic because it cast him in a sympathetic light. Um, I agree. I watched it. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, it does paint him as in a sympathetic light, but I think that wasn't the intention. I think the idea was to cast the rest of the Branch Dividends in a sympathetic light. Got it. And because FBI bunged it up so bad. Right. Um, so at the end of Waco, you definitely feel like there were a lot of things that went wrong that the world wasn't told or told about oh i'm sure 
So um, that is the incredibly sad disaster of the Waco standoff. Thanks, Tay. That was fucking awful. You are so welcome. I'm mad at all of them. <laughs> oh, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. There's no, there, there's no good that came from this. 27 children died. It's and an entire they knew, classroom. They knew that that was going to happen. And they did it anyway. They said, innocent lives, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Right. And the fact that and they for hadn't, what? They hadn't even threatened anybody. The Mount Carmel compound was miles from anybody. Anybody. Even if the entire freaking compound like blew up one day, it wouldn't have touched anybody, anybody. who was not in the compound. I feel like, okay, so if there's broken laws, okay, let's address those. There were so many. Oh, I didn't even tell you. David Crash would go to town regularly. They knew that he would go to town all the time. Oh, why didn't they just fucking snatch him? Exactly. They should have waited for him to go to the fucking Walmart. This is small dick energy from top to bottom. The patriarchy. Needs to be dismantled. That's Burn all I have. To the ground. Ironically. And somebody in the trial situation asks the Attorney General, Janet Reno, are you embarrassed by what happened at Waco and the new evidence that is coming to light as far as like the use of pyrotechnics mm-hmm. and uh, all of those things that she definitely should have been finding out for herself. Yes. And this woman has the audacity to say, I'm not embarrassed. I'm disappointed. No, you should be embarrassed. You should die from embarrassment. Like you're. I know how I feel if I say the wrong word to the wrong person and I think that I might have offended them a little bit. I don't know the embarrassment and dismay that I would feel if I had just neglected. To look into this standoff to a level that I should have been like, what is happening? How do people so high up in the government fuck up so royally at their job and still have a job? I would love to know that. Like when Ted Cruz went to freaking Mexico when his entire state was freezing over. I'm sorry. You should not be employed by the state anymore. I just... I just think, listen, I love people. Well, people are okay. But I just think <laughs> that there are some people that would have been better off staying primordial ooze. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you, you don't get to ev- evolutionize. <laughs> you just, you stay muck. Yeah. I had, I had a thought the other day that, um, you know how some people have old souls mm-hmm. and should probably be in leadership positions of some kind. Yeah. There are people that just have such young souls. Young, stupid souls. Right. You're reckless and you're dumb. Summer children. Right. Sweet summer child. And just because you are in a body that is 60 years old doesn't mean your soul has been around long enough to be making these types of decisions. (laughs) Your cosmic age is not old enough. Uh, Right. Not tall enough to ride this ride. You don't have, I feel like it comes down to like empathy for people. Absolutely. Ew, it's so, Taylor, I hate it. You know, Jenny, I think it's past time for us to have another horror movie night. Girl agreed. I will grab the White Claw. You grab the cats in a movie. 
uh, perfect. I have to show you the movie night outfit I just got. Why do you have a movie night outfit, Taylor? I'm so glad you asked <laughs> because I just discovered Wicked Cat Clothing. And let me tell you, Stephanie, the designer, is definitely one of our people. She's got a degree in design, a love for all things Halloween, horror, paranormal, and cats. Her clothing and accessory designs are dark and spooky, but with a little bit of spice. Definitely right up our alley. I'm in love with the Not All Witches Live in Salem t-shirt. I thought you would like that one. I am going to rock my Bloody Mary hoodie dress during movie night. I can't wait for you to see it. Oh my gosh. Even better news. Our listeners get 30% off any order at wickedcatclothing.com. Just use our code GRIM30 at checkout. We are so excited for this collab. So go support another small business. That's Grim30 at checkout for 30% off of your order. Do you like cryptids, folklore, urban legends, or art? Well, then check out the podcast, Alluring, where your co-hosts, me, Kimmy, and me, Ryan, tell you about the legends and lore from all around the world. And with each episode, we have folklore-inspired art prompts to encourage you to create something alluring. Check us out today by going to alluring.com, that's A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G.com, or listen to us wherever podcasts are heard. Tell me story. Oh, I'm going to tell you a story. Sorry, it's going to be a long one today, y'all. Mine is um, shrimpy. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't want to say it's shrimpy. It's, and it's not fun. How do I... It's not lighthearted. Uh-huh. It's not Waco. 27 okay. children. Well, all right. Just tell me the story. <laughs> just get into it. <laughs> you can just start reading. You can just go ahead and start the dang old thing. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to once again paint a picture for y'all. Uh-huh. So gather around the proverbial campfire, our collection of miscellaneous weirdos. <laughs> Taylor, insert campfire music. <laughs> In early December in London, England, it had been unseasonably cold for the past few days, and you've been working tirelessly to keep your coal fire going in your home to battle the frigid temps. Your husband has been out, or wife, has been out, your person, has been out working long hours at the Battensea to assist with the war efforts. You gaze out of the sitting room window upon another frozen, misty gray morning. Although the dense mist is a familiar sight in drizzly London, it doesn't feel quite as comforting today. The fire seems to be burning well now when you rest your tired and aching bones on the Davenport. (laughs) Just for a minute, you say, allowing yourself a small but rare moment of peace. You drift off as a small coal fire fills the room with warmth and the fog listlessly rolls by outside. Hours pass and the fire slowly dies out. The room chills and quickly goes cold. The window panes frost over, and yet you still do not stir. In fact, you never wake again. Your husband never comes home to find your body. You both have lost your lives to the great London smog. I, first, have you ever thought about reading books on Audible? No. (laughs) Because I feel like you would be excellent at that. Thank you. What a fun side hustle that would be. Absolutely. We got the equipment. Oh, yeah. We could just do it. We could just do that. <laughs> um, second, not where I thought we were going. No, it's different. I, I can't wait to know all about this. Wait, what year? 
Okay. Uh, 1950s. 1952. Oh, okay. So not super old. I was fully prepared for 1861. Maybe. Like, I was prepared to go back in time. Maybe. All right. Oh, cool, okay. Okay, okay. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my gosh. I'm making a... <laughs> <laughs> Making a fucking racket. Oh, my God. Okay. Clear skies dawned over London on December 5th, 1952. A wintry cold snap had gripped the British capital for weeks, and as Londoners awoke, coal fireplaces were stoked in homes and businesses across the city to take the chill from the early morning air. As the day progressed, a veil of fog, not unusual in a city famous for its cool, misty weather, began to enshroud Big Ben, St. Paul's Cathedral, London Bridge, and other city landmarks. Within a few hours, however, the fog began to turn a sickly shade of yellow-brown as it mixed with thousands of tons of soot pumped into the air by London's factory smokestacks, chimneys, and automobiles. Smoky diesel-fueled buses had recently replaced the city's electric tram system, adding to the toxic brew. Nonetheless, Londoners went about their business with typical British reserve, ignoring the... Ignoring the foul air as much as possible, but within a day, it became impossible to ignore the unfolding crisis. Oh, no. Fog combined with smoke to produce smog, which is nothing new in London, but this particular pea super quickly thickened into a poisonous stew unlike anything the city had ever experienced. I'm so sorry if y'all can hear this dog barking racket in my neighborhood right now. I will do my best to edit it, but... What's the song from Rent? What? Today for you, tomorrow, tomorrow for, for me. me. Right, kills the dog. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Oh. We're not going to kill dogs. I was going more like an Oliver and Company situation in my I head. I have not seen that. What? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Is it? It's really, it's really cute. Okay. I really like it. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm like, I'm going to have you watch it, and there will be like a really sad part that I've forgotten. But um, <laughs> it's They're, cute. I love that. Okay. We'll add it to the movie list. Yeah. It's ever growing. <clears throat> okay. So poisonous pea soup. Thick. Stew. It's thick. I bet it like lays on everything. It's like pollen in Indiana. Oh my God. In the middle of May. This smog is dummy thick. <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. That. <laughs> Edit that out. Okay. <laughs> no. A high-pressure weather system had stalled over southern England and caused a temperature inversion. We got a little bit of weather in here. I knew you were going to pull it out eventually. Uh It's been a while since we've done a weather disaster. I know. It was like two disaster episodes ago. Two whole ones? I know. I can't believe it. I almost did a tornado, this one, but it was fresh. Okay. Um... So a temperature inversion. So there's a layer of warm air high above the surface, which trapped the cold air at the ground level. Okay. So it the, the temperature inversion prevented London sulfurous coal smoke from rising, and there was no breeze, and there was no wind to disperse it. So a noxious 30-mile-wide air mass teeming with acrid sulfur particles reeked like rotten eggs and was getting worse every day. Oh my god. The smog was so dense that residents in some sections of the city were unable to see their feet as they walked. No. Yep. Uh-uh. 
For five days, the Great Smog paralyzed London and crippled all transportation except for the London Underground train system. Because of poor visibility, boat traffic on the River Thames Thames came to a halt. Flights were grounded and trains canceled. Even during the middle of the day, drivers turned on their headlights and hung their heads out car windows to inch ahead through the thick gloom. Many found the effort futile and simply abandoned their cars. Just in the middle of the road. Pull it on over. Can't get there anyway. Think snowstorm, but poison. I cannot. I was driving once in a really, really bad fog. Uh, I had been at a friend's house and like in the four or five hours that I was there, a really bad fog rolled in Mm -hmm. and I had to get home and she lived on the other side of town and I was very much like, I'm just gonna have to pull over. Troubled. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine that being poison. Right. Like hunger game, hunger game shit right there. Yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Um, so conductors holding flashlights, walked in front of London's iconic double-decker buses to guide drivers down the city streets. Wheezing pedestrians groped their way around the city's neighborhoods and tried not to slip on greasy black ooze that began to coat the sidewalks. Ew, because, Jenny. Because all... <laughs> I didn't do it. Rumbles. <laughs> it's all the gunk is settling. Like, it's slippery? It's sli- slick black ooze. Greasy greasy so not not only is it wet but it's also sticky it's the worst kind of sticky dry sticky you can get over you can rub it off your hands but like greasy sticky no Mm -hmm. can't wash it off it's ruining all your clothes but well by the time they returned home so like their faces and their nostrils would be blackened and um all the people who walked through the city resembled coal miners after they got to their destination i would just you know if this was something you were going to tell me in, like, the 1700s, 1800s, like, I could be like, damn, that sucks. But it is the 1950s. We have so much technology in the 1950s. We have airplanes. We're in the sky. Yeah. They can't see to get off the ground, but Taylor. why don't we have... A giant fan? Yeah. To... Why don't we have a giant fan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like this is a time when we should have been able to figure this out. Everybody grab a fan and stand outside and flap really hard in the same direction (laughs) something (laughs) um authorities advise parents to keep children home from school partly from fear they would shit they would get lost oh children just wandering off into poison fog yes no um looting burglaries and purse snatchings increased as uh don't take a fucking break no they just slip away into the noxious fume (laughs) there's no jesus um weekend soccer games were canceled which that's how you know you have a disaster in london (laughs) um although oxford and cambridge carried on with their annual cross-country competition at wimbledon (laughs) um with the help of track marshals who continually shouted this way this way oxford and cambridge (laughs) as runners materialized out of the thick days (laughs) and you know they have to be breathing so hard oh my gosh yeah i want to know what their like long-term complications were they die oh okay the smog seeped inside buildings as well greasy grime covered exposed services and movie theaters closed as the yellow haze made it impossible for ticket holders to see the screen that's how (laughs) thick she was i'd be so pissed yeah (laughs) 
The Great Smog of 1952 was much more than a nuisance. It was lethal, particularly for the elderly, young children, and those with respiratory problems. Heavy smokers were especially vulnerable because of their already impaired lungs, and smoking was common at the time, especially among men. It wasn't until undertakers began to run out of coffins and florists out of bouquets that the deadly impact of the Great Smog was realized. Deaths from bronchitis and pneumonia increased more than sevenfold, and the death rate in London's East End increased ninefold. Oh, my God. Initial reports estimated that about 4,000 died prematurely in the immediate aftermath of the smog. And the detrimental effects lingered. Death rates remained well above normal until the summer of 1953. Many experts now estimate that the Great Smog claimed at least 8,000 lives. Oh, Jesus. And perhaps as many as 12,000. The effects of the big smog weren't limited to people. Oh, no. Birds lost in the fog crashed into buildings. Oh. Eleven prize heifers brought to Earl's Court for the famed Smith Show show choked to death. Oh. And um, breeders fashioned improvised gas masks for their cattle by soaking grain sacks in whiskey, which kind of, to me, just sounds like you're waterboarding your cows. Yeah. <laughs> waterboarding with whiskey. I can't What's imagine the, that that is a pleasant. Why whiskey? I don't, I don't know. To sanitize? I don't get it. We had medicine. I don't get I don't know. <laughs> Listen, just, people were trying to douse their hands in tequila for coronavirus. Like That's true. That's true. I still got some of that tequila sanitizer in my office, (laughs) too. It makes me gag every single time. After five days of living in sulfurous hell, the great smog finally lifted on December 9th when a brisk wind from the west swept the toxic cloud away from London out to the North Sea. Initially, the British government was slow to act during the great smog, and heavy fog was, after all, a common occurrence in London, and there was, according to most reports, no immediate sense of urgency to the smog event. Following a government investigation, however, Parliament passed the Clean Air Act of 1956, which restricted the burning of coal in urban areas and authorized local councils to set up smoke-free zones. Homeowners received grants to convert from coal to alternative heating systems. The transition away from coal as the city's primary heating source towards gas, oil, and electricity took years. And during that time, deadly fogs periodically occurred, such as the one that killed about 750 people in 1962. That is still entirely too many to be killed by smog. Right. Right. Um, none of the other toxic fogs uh, even came close to the scale of the 1952 Great Smog. Was it just a, a perfect storm of no wind no weather that was happening or is the smog just less toxic now so no there everybody was on coal and diesel fumes and it was like becoming like more industrialized okay and there's a lot of like factories in london that were producing pollution and so because it was so cold i mean freezing like single digit temps cold Oh, there. Everybody in the city was burning coal. Uh-huh. And then the weather, it, essentially the warm air created a bowl around oh, okay. London. So that air wasn't able to move. And it was still, it stuck all the cold air still there. So everybody kept burning coal to keep warm. Everybody was cold. Everybody was freezing. So they kept doing stuff to make them unfreeze, which is making the smog su- worse. Smog, smogier. What a time. I, yeah. And I, like, I agree with you. This seems like way too recent. I mean, granted, it was 70 years ago, but it seems so recent for a, 
deadly noxious gas cloud to be killing that many people. Right. Like, we're not relying on telegraph <clears throat> to get the message out. No. They have news. <laughs> Attention. S- special news alert. <laughs> Oi, it's a bit foggy, isn't it? <laughs> Attention. Residents of London. So, yeah. Please stop using your coal immediately. <laughs> Are you having a chaff? <laughs> That's okay, love. We'll just make a cup of tea. I am so sorry for all of our listeners in the UK. Just oh, like, God. Leave a handful yeah. now. Please don't. We love you. Yeah, please don't make fun of our accents. No, you can, make, you can make fun of them. They're terrible. <laughs> I can only do that. That Essex. How you doing, love? <laughs> That's the only one. I can't do like the fancy, the queen, whatever the queen oh. dialect. Sussex? Su- I don't I don't know. I don't know. Essex, I know Essex. I don't know any of it. I'm not going to act like I do. I know Manchester because that's the accent that Daphne Moon has on Fraser. Ooh. Yeah. Look at you cultured. <laughs> <laughs> I just spit all over the <laughs> Cultured dude. So Fraser. Cool. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What? Um, one thing that I forgot to mention about the, um, the fire at the compound, which you reminded me of just now with everybody using more coal, was that their electricity was out. Mm-hmm. And so they were using candles, candles oh. to light their way. So there were already small. Plus flammable tear yeah, gas. Yeah. So that had to have a huge oh impact. Oh my gosh. Terrible. Yeah. Awful, just awful. Right. And then I mentioned in the last episode that I had a really terrible David Crush pun I wanted to give you. Yeah, please. Um, so I hope it's not in bad taste now that we know that like everybody died. It, it will be, but I, I'm here for it. Great. Uh, check yourself before you crush yourself. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I liked it. I know. Oh, what Check is your... yourself before you crush yourself. <laughs> what oh, is your brain shiny today? My bright and oh no, I had such a good one. <gasps> oh no, uh, you go first. Okay. Uh, my my sweet baby happy cat um got all of his teeth removed on Monday. <sighs> he was left with a singular canine fang. Him one tooth wonder boy. That is the only thing that he's got left. Um, but he took it like a champ. He's on antibiotics and uh, he is doing pretty good. He's just a little drooly now. The little drooly boy, but that's um, okay. But I want to give a real nice shout out to the office manager at my vet because I trusted my husband to do a task, which we all know can go awry very quickly. That's a gamble for sure. Absolutely. And as crusty as he wants everybody to think he is, oh, he is big squish and also big not combative. And so he doesn't ask a lot of questions. And so when the vet was like, that's going to be $1,200, ah! he blacked out <laughs> and gave them our credit card. Whoa. And called me and was like, you don't want to know how much this was. And he, I was like, okay. And in my head, I was like, it's probably between like six and 700. Yes. And he told me 1200. And I was like, that is not what they quoted me. Put the teeth back. Yeah. And he was like, I, I didn't know what to do. I just paid it. And I was like, for crying out loud. Okay. Bless him. So I was going to call the next day, but like six o'clock that night, I get a call from the vet and the office manager was like, um, 
the invoice was not approved by me. And I need to approve all surgical invoices before they are paid. And so we are going to give you about $300 back. Excellent. And I was like, thank you so much. I am so sorry. I was going to call you about it tomorrow. That sounded really high. And she's like, absolutely, it was. And I was like, my husband blacked out. And she's like, girl, my husband would have straight up caused a scene in here. (laughs) I was like, I'm surprised that he didn't question it at all. And she's like, I, we see it a lot. They just like do whatever they can. And he was just so happy. Oh, yeah. To have happy be okay. Yeah. And he is okay. And he is doing, he's on wet food only from now until ever. But how you can crunch something? He doesn't have any chompers. Well, he didn't really crunch them to begin with, which is why he had bad teeth. He just swallowed everything whole. Ah. Aha. But I, at this point, I just wish that they would have taken all of it because now he looks dorky with his one bang. I like him. One tooth wonder. So silly. So that's my, that's my bright and shiny is that my cat is okay and now he is not in pain with his teethers anymore. Aw. Sweet honey boy. Um, my bright and shiny is that I am doing a podcast with my best friend oh warm and fuzzy (laughs) warm and fuzzy that's my bright that's the brightest moment like this moment right now is my bright and shiny it's just so nice and i'm sure you guys noticed in the middle of our podcast you can go visit a shop and wicked cat clothes has given us one of the milestones that jenny and i have been working it's our Entirely hard for it. It is the first time we get to say use the code Grim at checkout. Ah! And we kind of got to cry about it. We did. Um, we had big feels and then we recovered. Yes. But it's it's just so cool. It just feels like my, my chest is too big. Like yes. I just like have taken a breath and I can't let it go. Yes. That's, that's what it felt like when she was like. And like your heart flutters. Tell them to use code Grim 30 at checkout. And I was like, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk about it? <laughs> Want to talk about it? I'm so excited. And the shop is so cute. It's so cute. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Oh my gosh! Go definitely check them out. I just I don't know. I feel like we're um because we've been doing this a little over a year, and I feel like we have like such a solid community yeah. of listeners. Like everybody on the Facebook page, it is so much fun to like actually interact. Yeah, with our people who like to listen to you and I bullshit. It's yeah. fucking cool. It's wild. I like today I posted the thing about Sherwin Williams and the like Zodiac signs uh-huh. and I adore the fact that everybody was like, I hate it. <laughs> Sherwin Williams has a <laughs> whack ass astrologist in there. <laughs> oh my God. Like, you know, somebody was like, okay, here's the like thing that I can see a lot of people doing. It's like all about astrology. Like we should like come up with paint color. Like it's so trendy. Listen, Jenny and I are going to redo it for everybody. We're going to pick new paint colors for everybody. We're going to post it in like a month or so. Oh like, my we'll God. Keep you posted. We should do that. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Jenny and I love a paint swatch. So. Hell yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. We'll, yes. we'll keep you guys updated. We should pick like creeks. What? Like haunted, like creeks as zodiac signs, or like haunted forests. Oh yeah, that's fun. Sign. Yeah, I feel like there's so many things. There's so many things. Like breakfasts, you can pick a breakfast. Oh my god, what gosh. sandwich are you? Am I Buzzfeed? I should go work for Buzzfeed. You should go work for Buzz, Buzz Buzzfeed. Like what? What flavor of coffee are you? What 1950s Jello salad are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So go follow us on um, Instagram, Twitter. We have a Facebook group. 
Um, slide in those DMs. Slide in those DMs. We're still looking for all of your uh, listener stories, which are uh, super important right now. So go ahead and make sure that you do that. You're not going to want to miss our super fun surprise. No spoilers, but we have something really cool planned. So if you've been like procrastinating. Do it now. Get us your stories. Do it. Do please. It, do it, do You're it, not going to. No regrets. <laughs> All right. Um, Be kind to yourself. And to others. Goodbye. Goodbye.